Well, last week we kicked off a sermon series entitled, Let's Try This Again, right? And boy, you talk about a week that we're like, okay, let's try this again. Um, we need to be focused on this truth and, and this thought. Let's try this again. And Pastor Josh preached the sermon last week and ended on a point, his third point. Does anybody remember what his third point was? First, no pressure, but first service got it, all right? First service remembered what his third point was. It had to do, or what it had to do with. Anybody remember? The word Basque was in there. Basque. There you go. That's it. Basque in the presence of God. And Pastor Josh said, don't miss next week because we're going to talk about what does that even mean? What does it even mean to, to bask in the presence of God, to spend time in God's presence? Pastor Josh invited us to do that, to be willing to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91.1 is where we're gonna be. He used this last week. Psalm 91.1 is gonna be our text and we're gonna take that thought and theme and I'm thankful that everyone is here. I'm thankful for the energy of the 10 o'clock service. This is always an encouraging and an uplifting and an energetic service. I wanna say thank you for being here. Um, Psalm 91.1 is where we're at and we'll read that in, in just a moment. And we're gonna talk about this concept, where or entering into the secret place. Entering the secret place. Where is it? This Psalm 91.1, let, let's go ahead and read it and we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit. It says this, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Where's the secret place? What is the psalmist referring to here and how do we enter? How do we gain access to this presence of God and how can we have the shadow of God over not just our days but our entire year? How can we invite God to uh, not just be a part of but to be uh, the focus, the priority of our life as we live it out? How can we model that for our kids and our families and encourage them and say this is not just something we do but this is actually who we are as people? And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're here last week and you thought just that, you desired. You're like, man, that's me. I wanna go deeper. I wanna abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You wanna deepen your walk with God. You simply wanna know how. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you've done, you've experienced that in the past and, and you're uh, uh, not just a baby Christian, a, a mature Christian. You've grown in your faith. You've spent time in the secret place, but maybe it's been a little while. Uh, maybe life has just gotten busy and the wonderful all-encompassing um, responsibility of family <laughs> has now seemed to fill every minute of your calendar. Um, and again, we have young kids at home. I understand that. So how can, we, how can we find that secret place? And once we've entered in, what do we do when we're there? This morning, we endeavor to answer those two questions for you. How do I get to the secret place? And what do I do once I'm there? When I was a kid growing up, we had a... a print out of a, a poem in our house. Some of you had like artwork or things that you remember seeing as kids and you would read it, you know what I mean? Different things. And we had one of those and, and it, this one was on our refrigerator. It was right there with, you know, everything else kind of crowded around it. And um, it said this, I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, but you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. 
God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. The poem is anonymous, but it's a great reminder, a great truth that if we're gonna make it through our day, and better yet, at the beginning of a year, if we're gonna make it through our year, whatever 2021 holds, and if last year taught us anything, we don't know what that is, but whatever 2021 holds, how can we make sure that we go through it in the power, and better yet, the presence of Jesus? See, the reality is this, Psalm 91, if you want to abide in the secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you wanna dwell in that secret place, simply, very simply, very elementary, but it's true, we have two great thoughts and then hopefully we'll support those this morning. The first thought is this, if you wanna dwell in the secret place, number one, you must have a place. There must be a place that you go that you say, this is my place where I enter in to the presence of Jesus. Have you ever got a bad recommendation? How many have ever had someone recommend like, oh man, you've got to try this restaurant. And then you go and you're like, was it this restaurant? That, that's the one that you want me to try? How many ever got a bad recommendation before? Let me just see. Or maybe it's for like a product. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, this product changed my life. And so you order it and then you're just a couple dollars poorer, but your life has not been changed. You know what I mean? Uh, they're like, man, this will change you. And you're like, yeah, that, it just didn't work for me. Or maybe it's a movie. Someone recommends a movie and you're like, okay, this is going to be a really good movie. And you put the movie on and then you get to the end and you're like, yeah, that wasn't worth it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Any of you ever been there? You, you've got a bad recommendation before? Um, I had an experience similar to this. This, this was a, right out a year ago. My wife and I um, had gone out shopping. And I'm not, I'm not a huge shopper. You know what I mean? Most guys, I mean, me no shop. You know, uh, most guys aren't um, huge shoppers. Some, some are, but I'm not a huge shopper. So we went out and, and we were doing it. Again, it was about a year ago. So it was back when you could actually go to a store and you could actually try clothes on, <laughs> you know what I mean? And make sure before you had to buy them and take them home and then bring them back and uh, order them online and then send them back, you know. Um, um, so anyways, we went to the store and someone had told me, we were actually at Town Square and, and uh, we were at H&M, a store there, right? H&M. So we were uh, hanging out there and, and this is how guys kind of shop. I, I walk through the guys section, past everything that's full price and I go to the discount. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this, this is on sale, so this is what I like. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I was back there and, and uh, we were kind of shopping, kind of going through and someone had told me, I don't remember who it was, but someone had told me, Pastor what you got to get. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm the next gen pastor, which means I work with our young adults. I work with our teens. You know what I mean? So like, Pastor you've, you've, you've got to get a black jean jacket. Now, I don't know if that's in vogue. I don't know if that's like what you're supposed to wear, but someone had told me that. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna look. I'm just gonna see what's out there. I'm gonna see if there's, there's a black jean jacket. And so I'm kind of going through and did just, just, did just that, walked past most of the clothes, went back to their like out of season, you know, whatever. And as I got there, I was like, it must be my lucky day. I got there and there's a black jean jacket hanging there, right size, right color, everything. I'm like, check this out. I look at, check the inside. It's the right size. Pull it off the, the hanger and, and throw it on. And I'm like, hey, that actually doesn't have a bad fit to it. You know what I mean? And so then I did what all good husbands do. And I walked across the store to get permission from my wife to make sure that this is what, this is okay. I can buy this. This is, this looks good. You know, all those things. And so I walked across the store and just kind of walking through the store and, you know, a couple people kind of looked at me and I'm just like, hey, must look good, you know? And so I'm walking through and I get to her and I'm like, hey babe, what do you think? I, I'm, I'm looking you know what I mean? What, what do you think about this? She goes, Are, is that what you're looking for? And I said, yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, someone had told me I should get this. And I really don't remember who it was that told me that. And, and so I was like, well, what do you think? And she's like, well, let me see. And so I just, you know, kind of turned around real quick and showed it to her. And when I turned all the way back around, at first she was like, yeah, okay. And when I made my full rotation and came back around, her face had visibly changed. 
And I'm like, what? You, you don't like it, do you? And she's like, have, have you seen the back of the jacket? And I'm like, well, no, I just pulled it off the rack and I just kind of walked backwards to a mirror. And this is actually the jacket. I've got a picture of it. Um, and on the back of this black jean jacket was this huge print of this, this guy named Post Malone. Now, you may not know who he is or whatever, um, but I realized at that time, this jacket is not for me. It just, it's just not my style. It's just not, I was like, now you may like it. You may be like, oh, but I had some teens walk up to me. I told this the first one. They're like, PC, you should have got that. You should have got that. And I'm like, the wife said no. You know, so um, I took it back and I put it back on the rack. How many of you ever had experience like that where you've tried something on, but it just isn't you? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it, it's just not me. Or you tried, you, you tried a recommendation or you tried to go somewhere or do something. And you're like, man, this this just doesn't click with me. This, this just isn't me. This morning we're talking about the secret place and here's my greatest fear. That as you come in, you're like, oh, okay, I've heard this before. He's gonna talk about spending time with God and he's gonna talk about doing this. He's gonna talk about having your devotions and he's gonna talk about praying and he's gonna talk about all these things and Pastor we get it. Okay, I'm gonna walk out, do my devos and pray. But this morning is not that. Matter of fact, I think what's happened to many of us by well-meaning individuals in our life is we've been handed something off the rack that worked for them. And when we tried it on in our Christian life and our Christian faith, it just didn't work. It, it just didn't fit. And so for whatever reason, we left it there. Maybe it was the discipline of prayer. Maybe it was spending time quietly with God. And maybe you're like, maybe you're, you're the type of person that makes coffee nervous. You know what I mean? Like you're just, you're energetic and you're like, all right, I need to go to my, my quiet place. And you're like dancing and doing all this stuff in there. Maybe you've tried this before. You're like, no, Pastor Gabe, I've tried to spend time in the secret place and it's just not me. It's just not for me. And I don't know where you're at this morning. But here's what I do know. I do know that Psalm 91 is true, not just for those who like quiet, not just for those who like energy, not just for those who like music, not just for those who like study. And we're gonna unpack several principles today from the word of God that I want you to take and to personalize and to say, okay, that's actually where I'm at. That's actually me because I'm afraid too many of us have tried a cookie cutter Christianity that just hasn't worked. And because of that, the depth of our Christianity has waned. Because of that, our desire to spend time in God's presence, our, our growth has been stunted all because we're trying to wear something that just isn't us. We're trying to go through something that just doesn't work for us. You are uniquely gifted by your creator to connect with him on a way that is unique and, and specifically works for you. Now we're gonna use the word of God and we're gonna walk through it, but I want you to think all the way back in the Old Testament, what does it mean to spend time in God's presence? We said, number one, you must have a place. The place in the Old Testament for them, and we can go back to point number one, um, as much as I like Post Malone. Um, point number one, you must have a place. The, the place in the Old Testament for them was the temple. Matter of fact, before it was the temple built by Solomon, it was the temple that was made out of tents and they had in the wilderness. And specifically in that temple, both in the wilderness and then also built by Solomon, there was a courtyard and the priests could go into this courtyard and then they could gain access to this one. But there was one place called the manifested presence of God or the holy of holies or where the Shekinah, of glory, the Shekinah glory of God would be. And when the temple was first erected, when, when it was built and when it was made and all that stuff, when they were in the wilderness, the cloud of God or the presence, the manifested presence of God descended on the temple and everyone knew God is with us. God is here. God is present. 
and we can now have access to God. But in the Old Testament, the way it worked was not everyone had access. There was one person, the high priest. And the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies one time a year, and it was only on Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. And so one time a year, the sacrifice would be made, and the one person would step forward into the one place behind the veil and go through it into the Holy of Holies to place the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat. And then that would happen, and then they would know God is present with us, and they would have to remember that one time throughout the entire year and say, okay, well, we'll look forward to it next year. But here's the awesome thing. We don't live in Old Testament times. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came as the great high priest for you and for me. And he took not the blood of the lambs and of goats, Hebrews chapter nine says, he didn't take that, uh, that had to be replaced year after year, but he took a tabernacle not made with hands, he took a tabernacle of his own flesh and blood, and he brought his own blood before the Father, and he placed that blood on the mercy seat, and the Bible says that when Jesus, watch this, when Jesus was on the cross and said, it is finished, into your hands I commend my spirit, that the veil of the temple that separated the presence of God from the people of God was rent in twain, meaning now we have access, not just once a year, but every single day of our life, we can enter this place with God and have access into, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption, meaning, hey, he went there, he did it, he made it for us. Look at what Hebrews says also in Hebrews chapter four, seeing then now that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, look at that word, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Friend, let me tell you something. This secret place that we talk of this morning is not something that you, that you have to hope for and wish for. And maybe if you're of a certain stature, you can enter in, but you can step into the presence of God this morning because Christ has made a way when there was no way. He has uh, parted, right, the veil that separated us. And now you and I can have access on a daily basis to God. What an incredible, awesome, amazing doctrinal truth that we have access to God. And now my simple question and my challenge for myself is do I take advantage of it? He's done all the work. Do I now walk in the way that he has made? In his book, Sacred Pathways, Gary Thomas challenges his readers to understand their spiritual temperament in order to not allow their secret place to become mundane or, or without power. Let me also challenge you. We're gonna go through these and he gives nine different sacred pathways and we're just gonna list them for you and here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down the one or take a picture of the screen when, when they're up there of the one that you say, that's me. That's how I connect with God. And he studied the scripture on this and said, here are sacred pathways that we've used in the past to be able, based on our personality types and based on, on how we are. Let me encourage you with this. When we get the list up there, you're probably gonna find first that you're a mixture that you have different ways that you connect with God. Uh, maybe you are passionate in worship, and we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. And man, when, when, when the worship team starts singing and the band starts playing, you are lifted to new heights and you're there in the holy place. You know what I mean? You're like, man, I am in the presence of God right now. Uh, maybe you are not a people person, and we're gonna unpack all these, and so you're like, I'm with God best when no one is around. <laughs> when, when I can just retreat 
and have nothing but the holy mixture known as coffee <laughs> and spend time in God's presence. Maybe that's you, but we're gonna walk through these and say, number one, you're a mixture. Number two, temperaments change. Uh, just like in a marriage, as a marriage goes on, uh, you see that someone connects and loves their spouse differently over the course of their marriage. You find new things about them. You walk through new challenges of life and you are likely to find different ways to connect with God during your lifetime. And maybe you're there and maybe it's gotten a little bit dry. Maybe it's gotten a little bit, it's just waned in its power and you're there and you're like, I wanna connect with God. Show me, tell me, I'm there. How do I spend time? in the secret place. By the way, I've seen this in my own life. I am, I am for the most part, high energy. I like to be around people. That gives me more energy. I work with teens. They have a short fuse. I like to light it and see them blow. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, let's go. Like, I enjoy that stuff. I'm ready. I'm go. But as I've gotten older, and as I now have a two-year-old and a two-month-old, I'm like, just give me coffee and Jesus and silence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've just gotten older and I've realized that. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're like, man, I need a new way to connect with God. Here's the first one. Nine sacred pathways that you connect with your creator in a wonderful way. The first one is this. Uh, there is the naturalist, the naturalist. That's the person who connects best with God outdoors. When you are in the creation of your creator, you see his majesty on every mountaintop. Uh, you hear his voice through the wind and the gurgle of the stream. Uh, you celebrate and discover spiritual truths through nature. I think about what Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. When I was a kid, we owned, I grew up in the Northeast kingdom of Vermont. Literally, um, a couple times we were hunting and being careful and all that stuff. And man, the Canadian border was right there. It was almost as far north as you can get up in the Northeast um, besides um, Maine. Maine's the only thing that, that goes up higher. And um, I remember as a kid, we had 50 acres and it backed up to our neighbors, 150 acres, and it backed up to our other neighbors, 75 acres over here. And when I was a kid and I was like, hey mom, what can I do today? She would say, not, hey, go, go down the street and play with your friends. They were a long way down the street. She would say, go to the woods. <laughs> and so as a kid, I'd take my brother and we'd go and man, we'd just hang out. And it was a different, it's just a different life. It was just different, different, you know, for, for me back then. And so for me, when I get out into God's God's green world, God's creation. Man, I just breathe in his majesty. I love that. That's a, this is a part of who I am. I love to spend time with God in nature. We were um, studying, we were doing our, uh, our sermon prep team and we had several there. Pastor uh, Josh was there and, and uh, he was saying some things. I'm like, oh man, this is me. I'm the naturalist. I connect with God. And Pastor Josh was like, yeah, that's not me. I like the freshest air around, AC. I like to stay inside. You know what I mean? That, that's Pastor. He's not. He's like, I want to stay inside. And that's okay. It's a different temperament. Maybe that's you. The second is the sensate. Maybe you're not the naturalist, the sensate. That's someone who loves God through their senses. Uh, these people worship through uh, sights like art. They can stare at a painting and just see the wonder, the majesty. Sounds like music, uh, smells. They, they can light a candle. They can spend time. They can breathe in God through this experience. If that's you, there's a couple of albums that really get me to that place. By the way, this is, this is a part of my wife's makeup. This is who she is. She likes calm and serenity and to experience and, and to have music quietly playing in the background. And um, if that's you, here's a couple albums. Maybe you can check out uh, the Peace album by Bethel Music. You can look at that and it's very calm and it's hymns and you can put that together. Um, and then one just released uh, Graves into Gardens Evening and Morning. I think it just released like two days ago. Graves into Gardens Evening and Morning. And maybe that's you, Morning and Evening, I think. And um, you, can just, you can just meditate and you can just spend time with God, uh, breathing him in. When I'm in this place, when I'm like, I wanna experience God a new way for me, man, I, I hearken 
taken back to my, to my Christian deep roots of I like to sing through a hymn. And man, I start thinking, singing, it is well with my soul. And boy, I tell you what, it lifts me to a new place. And I start um, singing a, a hymn like um, um, when I come to the garden alone, right? Or uh, I get here every time if I sing, his eye is on the sparrow, you know? And uh, man, I'm there and I'm like, why should my heart be discouraged? And I'm like, man, let's go. Why should it be discouraged? I'm going to heaven. He saved me. I've got fellowship with him. And man, I just, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm in his presence, the sensate. Secondly, is the traditionalist. This is you. Maybe if you were uh, uh, reared with some liturgy and, and for you, it's you worship through the tradition of the church. Structure and repetition and rigidity. You memorize scripture. You commit to memory and you repeat it and you spend time and you, you, you have a process that you go through. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But you have, you have a process that you go through of uh, religious ritual and symbols and, and that is powerful to you and you, you step into God's presence that way. It's really the historic dimension of the disciplines of the faith. You are a disciplined person, and, and that's you. Um, this is my dad, my, my dad, by and far away. Man, he, he likes the discipline of Christianity. The fourth is the ascetic. They love God in solitude and simplicity, uh, related um, to the sensate of experiencing God. They love God in solitude and simplicity. They, these people worship through prayer and quiet time and the absence of all outside noise and distraction. Uh, they're uncomfortable, I like this, um, he writes this in his book, they're uncomfortable in any environment that keeps them from listening to the quiet. It's the person who, when everything's quiet, goes, ah, do you hear that? Quiet, <laughs> peace, you know what I mean? Maybe that's you this morning, you're like, that's me. And so your space, your place with God has to be a quiet place. Maybe it's that you get up early, maybe it's that you stay up late, but it's a quiet place, uninterrupted, and you can work with your spouse and say, this is my space, this is where I need to spend time with God. Please leave, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Go somewhere, it's gotta be quiet. Maybe you're the activist, this is the person who loves God through confrontation, fighting for godly principles and values. You say, Pastor Gabe, how do I know if this is me? You know if this is you, if your favorite passage in the entire Bible is when Jesus overthrows the tables in the temple and whips the money changers. You're like, that's me. I'm passionate about God when I'm whipping out. I'm passionate about God when I'm, when I'm active for the faith. A great example of this is the uh, nationally renowned CareNet agency that is active in their faith, reaching women in crisis and helping them make the choice for life. Uh, we had someone in, in our church who, who was very active and, and constantly went there and, and did that. Maybe that's you, you're, you're active. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, we spoke on, on prayer. The Sunday right after, right after um, Christmas, we spoke on prayer. And someone had texted me before, and I, I won't embarrass them by, by using their name, but texted me before and said, Pastor Kip, will you come out after the service there at the 1130 service? We'll come out after the service and pray over everything that we've gathered. We're gonna hand out some jackets to the homeless community and hats and gloves and different things. I said, yeah, I'll do that. And honestly, I was expecting 10, 15 coats, something like that. I went out there and no joke, five different vehicles pulled up and all the trunks were full to the brim with coats and jackets and blankets. And then they said, here's some gift cards that we've just gathered and we're gonna stop by the police station and give it to all our, all our police officers and just support our community. And we just wanna wish them a Merry Christmas. That's an activist. That's someone who, who sees the need and takes the lead. They wanna be active in their faith and they say, this is when I experience God. Next is the caregiver, related closely with the activists, but specifically to care for an individual. What they can't do for everyone, they will do for one. They worship by giving of themselves. They see Christ in the poor and needy. Uh, they may nurse the sick and disabled or adopt a prisoner, donate time at a shelter. Caring for, while, while caring for others might wear some down, caring for others invigorates them. They put their head in the pillow at night, tired but full. 
That's the caregiver who experiences God by caring for someone. Next is the enthusiast. This is where I hang out a lot of the time. <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, sometimes I'll come into a meeting or something like that, and I'm just, I'm, you know, there ain't no high like the most high. You know what I mean? I'm coming in, and I'm like, woo, let's go. I'm excited about this. And I'm stepping into a meeting, and other staff members will look at me and just be like, you're so annoying. <laughs> I'm just, man, I'm passionate. I'm enthusiastic. Again, this is probably why I work with young people and college-age people, and, and uh, they love God through majesty and celebration. Uh, these people worship with outward displays of passion and enthusiasm. They love God with gusto. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. If their hearts aren't moved, it was just okay. They want to be moved to action. It's the experience for them. Uh, next is the contemplative. The contemplative loves God through adoration. Uh, these people worship by their attentiveness, their deep love, their intimacy. A great example in the Bible for this was Mary of Bethany right, who sat at the feet of Jesus. All the commotion and chaos of serving going on around her, but for her, she had to spend time contemplating the truths, the deep truths, the wonderful truths of Christ. Maybe you're the contemplative. Uh, lastly, the ninth path, the sacred path to Christ is this, the intellectual. They love God with their mind and their hearts are opened up to a new attentiveness when they understand something new about God. Faith is something to be understood, not just experienced. If that's you, and you're like, man, Pastor Kip, that is me. When I just dig down deep into the truths of God and books are all around me, and I just, I love doing that. Here's a couple recommendations for you. The book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer is an incredible, thank you guys for doing that, putting that slide up. Um, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, just a great book. If you wanna dive into the depth of who God is, and then The Prodigal God um, by Timothy Keller, again, capturing or recovering the heart of the Christian faith. Both great books. If you're like, you know what? I've been a Christian for a while, but, but I'm an intellectual. I need to not just experience God on Sunday and, and, and you know, get pumped up for Jesus, but I need to know and discover him intellectually throughout the week. This is you. And, and, and my fear, again, going back to the illustration of you tried a jacket on that just doesn't fit you, is that sometimes as Christians, uh, let's go back to the list that has everything. Sometimes as Christians, as we look at this list, we think, oh yeah, this one's good, this one's good, this one's good. I don't know how people connect in the other ways. Listen, let me help you with something. Don't judge someone else based on connecting with God. You just connect with God at your place. The question here today is not, does the person beside you have a place? The question here today is, do you? Do you have a place? Do you actively search and seek out that place? Number one, if you want to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, number one, you must have a place. But then once you get there, what do you do? Okay, Pastor Kip, I've, I've got my place. I'm an outdoors person. Winter, summer, doesn't matter. I'm there. You're an outdoors person. Pastor Kip, I'm a contemplative. I just like to, for there to be quiet and serenity. And Pastor Kip, I'm, I'm, I, I worship through music. And if music is on in the background, I begin to uh, just think about God. I'm a sensei and I begin to focus and, and I move towards the worship of the Almighty. All right, I've got my place, Pastor Kip. Now, what is, here's point number two, what is your process? Number one, you must have a place. Number two, you must have a process. I remember years and times in my life coming to the place and trying to work through a process and saying, all right, God, I'm, I'm here. I wanna experience you. God, God I'm, I, and the, I've said everything just right. And God, I'm here. How can I do this? I think Matthew 11 captures this for us. Jesus says it this way. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give, look, look at this word, give you rest. Jesus says, if you simply find the place, I will give you the rest that you so desperately need. I'll give that to you. But then watch what he says. I will not just give that to you, but verse 29, take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. When you give something to someone, they don't have to search for it. They know exactly where it is. Hey, I am giving this to you. This is yours. Jesus says, if you come to the place, I will give you my presence. By the way, the entire point of the place is the presence of Jesus. That's why we go to the place, to spend time in the presence of Jesus. He says, I'll give that to you. But then he says, if you take my yoke, my way, my teachings, 21st century vernacular, my process, upon you, then you will find rest for your soul. See, it's not just having a place, but it's going to that place and learning. And we're gonna look at five biblical ways to experience and to process and to walk with God once you get to that place. The first is this, if you're there in the place, the first thing that you can do in the place is prayer. Prayer and fasting, you can study all throughout the word of God. You can spend time, find your place, get everything just right, be there in the place, and then start the process. And maybe for you, it's, it's prayer and fasting. James 5.13 says this, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Friend, are you burdened this morning? Are you weighed down by life? Are you suffering? Is there something that you say, man, this is something that I need, need to go through. Uh, uh, the ancients called it the dark night of the soul. Are you going through a, 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 a crux in your life where you say, I need to work and I need to get through this. Go to the place and pray. Spend time, find your Gethsemane. Find your garden. Find the place that you can go to and say, Jesus, will you help me? Will you guide me? Will you direct me? Romans 8, 26 says, likewise, the spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What I love about this is if the apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the epistles, the New Testament, says, hey, sometimes I go to pray and I just don't know what to say. That helps me because <laughs> there's a lot of times I go to pray and I'm like, God, I don't, I don't know. Here's everything that's going on in my life. Man, you just begin to pray. You begin to work through that. That's one of the ways you can communicate with God. But maybe your personality is a little different and, and your mind wanders easier and you're like, no, I, I've, gotta, I've gotta be more active. Number one, pray, prayer and fasting. Number two, study and journaling. Once you get to the place, maybe you're the, maybe you're the studier. Maybe you're the student. You're the one who journals. You've got 15 different colored markers and they all mean something different and you circle and you connect the dots and you draw a doodle and you're like, man, I'm experiencing God. And your green marker marks the grace of God and your red marker marks the redemptive plan of God and your black marker is the verses you're praying against your enemies. No, just kidding. Okay, I wanna make sure that you're listening, you know? And you're like, man, I'm, I'm praying this prayer for someone today, you know? And you're just praying about it. Maybe that's you and you need to study and journal and get a, get a blank note and just write out your thoughts to God. God, I need your grace. God, I need help with my finances. God said he will take care of you. Spend time in his presence. Focus on that. Fast on that. Study and journal about that. I think about what Timothy says. Um, study to show yourself approved, not to your brother or sister or pastor. Study to show yourself approved to God. I think about what uh, the Apostle Paul said about uh, the Berean church where they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. Study and journal in the quiet place. Say, Pascal, what I've got in my, in my calendar is 15 minutes. Okay, 15 minutes. Find a passage, read it. Say, this is what God wants me to know today. 15 minutes, study and journal. Uh, third, meditation and self-examination. Prayer and fasting, study and journaling, meditation and self-examination. I think about what the psalmist says in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know, look at this word, my anxieties. 
Boy, if you're someone who your emotions fluctuate a lot through the day, God has made you specifically, uniquely on purpose. You are, there, you are not messed up. Listen to me. You have an incredible capacity. You read the book of Psalms. You have an incredible capacity for worship. But you've got to make sure that you find your emotional equilibrium in your quiet place with God throughout the day. I, I said that, I didn't share this with the first service, but I said that your type will change as, as you grow and as you mature and as you just experience new things. And one of the things for me was having kids, having a son and now having a daughter. Man, I have emotions that I never knew I had, Drew. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I'm a dad and sometimes I'll go home and I'll just hold my daughter and I'm like, I love her so much. And man, I'm just, I'm just passionate about it. I'm like, what am I doing over here? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's an emotion for me. What, what do I need to do? I need to spend time meditating and examining myself and saying, God, is there anything in me? Is there any, is there any anxieties in me that God are coming out in my life in a way to not honor you? In a way to say that, God, I'm not really trusting you, I'm trusting myself. The world is more anxiety-filled and panic-driven than ever before. Friend, find rest in the secret place. Search for it. Jesus says, come to me. Fourthly, confession and contemplation. Prayer and fasting. These aren't in any order. These are what speaks to you. And maybe you need to spend time praying. Maybe you need to spend time studying. Maybe you're here, confession and contemplation. 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word cleanse is the Greek word katharizo, which doesn't just mean cleanse from the penalty, but it actually means cleanse from the guilt of. God says, when you come to me, I already know what you've done. So come to me and confess, not because I need to hear it, but because you need to hear it. And friend, I'm sure there's someone here today, I believe this with all my heart, someone here today has been carrying the guilt of a broken relationship, a failed marriage, a hurt person, a collapsed identity, a traumatic experience, a disappointment. And you've been carrying the guilt and shame like it's who you are, your identity. I'm so thankful we are not the sum of our greatest failures, but we can step into the place with the person of Jesus and he can say, I have blotted out the handwriting that was against you, the handwriting of ordinances. I've taken care of that. And now you are my son. You are my daughter. You are who you say, uh, who I say you are. That's who you are in life. And let Jesus wash away the guilt and the shame and the fear and the tears. Confession truly is good for the soul, but it's good for the soul because of the person we're with when we confess. When we come before God and say, God, I'm, I'm hurting in this area. Will you help me? Will you cleanse me? Will you remove the guilt from this? And Jesus says, I'll take care of that. And then lastly, we find in the secret place, simplicity and gratitude. This is summed up best, Matthew chapter six, verse 25 and 33 through 34. Therefore, I say to you, Jesus specifically speaking, now he wrote this 2,000 years ago, but boy, you talk about a prescription from the great physician for 2021. Look at what he says. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When I emerge from the secret place, my desires in life have been simplified. My focus has been renewed and my identity has been restored. I'm grateful for who God is, who he calls me to be, and nothing and no one can stand in front of that. 
You study the entire Old Testament and how enemies would rise up against the person of the Lord and God would remove them or find a way through them and God would take care of them. That's what God wants to reassure you of in the secret place. And you'll find simplicity and gratitude. Uh, Romans 8 says, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels or principalities or powers nor things present or things to come, nor height nor depth nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a reminder from the person in the place as we go through the process. I've got one simple illustration to, to end. When I, when I was in uh, seminary, Bible college, <clears throat> the first one that I went to was um, in Arkansas, and uh, Champion was the name of it. I went there, and, and I'm so thankful for all the wonderful things I learned. And we had a, a chancellor, the president of the Bible college, the pastor of the church there, and his name was Eric Capace. And Brother Eric, uh, again, didn't want to be called Mr. Capace. He didn't want to be called Pastor Capace. He didn't want to be called Pastor Eric. A big thing in the South is, in, in the South is to call uh, people brother and sister. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, brother. You know, by the way, you want to know how a good Baptist has forgot your name? They'll walk up to you and be like, hey, brother. <laughs> and they forgot your name. Um, so anyways, Brother Eric wanted to be called Brother Eric. That, that's what he wanted to be called. And so, man, Brother Eric was teaching our class, teaching our homiletics class. Homiletics is um, the, the art or, or the skill of, of learning how to, to preach and open God's word and rightly divide it and all that stuff. And he's teaching our homiletics class. And one day in our homiletics class, um, he said, hey, I've got something really important to show you. And he put, picked the entire class up and, you know, field trip. All right. And so we left the class and, and we went out and walked over from the college where the college was over to the church auditorium. And uh, over beside the auditorium was, was a little room off the side that was called a pastoral ready room. And it, you know, had a mirror, make sure that nothing's in the teeth of the pastor or the worship singers, you know what I mean, before they went up there and you kind of get yourself ready. And off of that little pastoral ready room was a door and another room. And in that other room, kind of off to the side, pa uh, Brother Eric opened it and said, I want you guys to see something. Anytime I'm about to preach, anytime I'm about to be public for Jesus, I make sure that I go private for Jesus. And in that room, there was something very unique to who Brother Eric was. He opened the door and it was a small room, really kind of just enough space to turn around. And on the floor was a sheepskin rug. And there was a Bible in the room and there was a couple other things in the room and right there on the floor, was this sheepskin. And Brother Eric went forward and he said, if I never teach you how to preach, I have to teach you how to spend time with the person of Jesus. And he said, this is my process. I come into this room, not just when I'm about to preach, but when I need access to the throne of God. And the sheepskin was yellowed from time and from tears and from the burdens that God had placed on the heart of that pastor. And I watched as someone taught me how to enter the place and how to go through the process. And now, honestly, for me, I remember praying as a college student, praying through, I remember praying for my wife, Ruthie, there. I remember asking God, we were just friends. We had just said, I like you. We hadn't said, I love you yet. I remember asking God, God, will you help me? God, will you guide me? God, will you direct me? God, lead me. I remember going through and growing through that place and developing that process. And now for me, the sheepskin isn't my place anymore. It was powerful for me for a while. Since then, my place has been 
a car. <laughs> Since then, my place has been an apartment when my wife and I first got married. Since then, my place has been the altar of the church, the very first church that I served at, weeping and praying and asking God, God, will you meet me? God, will you empower me? God, will you have your shadow over me as I go through life? Now, today, my place is the front room of our house where I put in some bookshelves and I put in a little electric fireplace so I can be reminded of the fact that I need the fire of God's love and grace and power burning in me on a regular place, on a regular basis. That's my place. I don't know what your place is. But the point of the place is the person you're spending time with. And so my challenge to you this morning is not to go out and buy a sheepskin rug. <laughs> I've got them for sale in the back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not to go out and buy a sheepskin rug. Listen to me. My point for you this morning is do you have a place? Every Christian should have a place where they spend time with God. You say, yeah, yeah, my place is San Diego on the beach and I go there once a year. God, help me to go there more. <laughs> no, 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 find a place that's close, a place that you can go to on a daily basis. Job says this, what is man that you're mindful of him, that, you're, that you try him every morning, that, that you wake beside him every morning and that you try him every moment? Isn't it incredible to think that the, that the God of the universe desires that we step into his audience in the place to spend time with the person. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I have my place, I, I, know, I know where I'm at, and maybe you just need an, another way to connect, to, to grow, another sacred pathway to walk on to spend time with him. I don't know where you're at, but let me challenge you. Have a place and have a process. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word and your truth. Thank you for this, your people that have listened so well. Father, I pray that something that was said that you would have hidden me behind your words and, and behind the cross and that something that was shared this morning would have been a blessing and, and an encouragement and a challenge to someone here. And God, will praise you for who you are, not just today, but tomorrow when we find the place with the person of Jesus. We ask these things in your name.